morning, everyone. I'm Mel, and you're listening to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jono and Will as we run through my team, Fremantle. So how's it going, guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, Mel. Yourself? Yep, not too bad. Yep, going well. Yeah, we do need to stop recording these at like 9 a.m. on a on a Sunday morning. It's it's a rough time. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's an early start, but we're super keen, so that's why we do it. Fremantle was one of the original clubs in the AFLW, uh, the chosen club from WA. So both Frio and Eagles submitted a request to join, and the superior team got in first. Frio had a bit of a slow start in the first couple of seasons. They made the finals in season three and they were undefeated in 2020, which was looking pretty good until they got prematurely cancelled due to the pandemic. In season six, so earlier this year, they also had a pretty good year, but went down to the eventual winners, Adelaide, in the preliminary. So I'm very hopeful that season seven is the year that Frio are going to do amazing. Hashtag flag mantle, if we're getting on that already. They're coached by Trent Cooper, who took over from the inaugural coach, Michelle Cowan, in 2019. Their captain, good story here, much to Jono's disappointment, I didn't realise until way too late in season six that I actually went to high school with Frio's captain, Hayley Miller. I feel like I should clarify, I'm not disappointed because I don't like Hayley Miller. It's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> She's far and away my favourite player in the AFLW. Like you disappointed me. <laughs> disappointed in you for not telling us earlier. There we go, yeah. I'd just like to point out that's very harsh on Emily Bates there, Jono. Oh, yeah. Look, Bates is a close second, a close second, but you can't go past Hayley Miller. You see well, apparently there, you aren't, there aren't that many people that can enter the front of a pack like she can. Yeah. But something else. A uh, very strong team for Emmanuel. And as Mel alluded to, they probably weren't able to win a premiership in 2020 that they probably deserved because they went through that whole season undefeated and were clearly the best team. So expect them to continue to be a very good team into season seven. Let's go line by line, as we usually do, starting with defence. Now, I know, Will, that you've got a player you're quite excited about here. One of the strengths of Fremantle is that they've got a fairly uniform backline. There's not really many standout players, but there's one player that I do want to highlight, and that's Sarah Verrier. She was listed as a midfielder in the first part of this year in season six. Uh, she's only 19, so still very young, but is in line for what we call the, the third season breakout. So a big chance to increase her scoring output in this upcoming season seven. She averaged 53 last year, which for a midfielder isn't necessarily spectacular, but she played a lot of the year across halfback. So if she is listed as a defender, she becomes hugely relevant. 53 is already a very good score for a defender, but if she can really push that score upwards, she becomes possibly a very interesting prospect. And from round eight last year, she scored every single one of her scores above 50, including a high of 94. So she's got that high ceiling, which would put her right up there in terms of defenders. Yeah, huge. When she got 94, do you know, like, were you watching that game? Do you know how much time she spent in forward versus midline? I will find that out for you. I think Sarah Verrier is a very interesting prospect. My question, I suppose, is that Fremantle last year started very, very well. I think they were undefeated through their first few rounds of the season. And it was in the back half of the season they faced some of the stronger teams. And I think the ball would have been spending a lot more time in the back line, uh, which is my understanding where she played in the last few rounds. And that potentially could have been the reason that some of her scores were a bit higher, particularly since from round eight onwards, we're also including a couple finals there. I imagine the ball against North Melbourne and Adelaide would have been spending a lot more time in the defensive half than you would expect against West Coast when they're playing that game or 
a few other teams that are a bit lower down the ladder. That is true, but she also scored her 94 against the Gold Coast, listed at fullback. I think she's one of those very talented players that regardless of where or who she's playing against, because she also scored a 50 against the Bulldogs, I think she's just a genuine talent who will be able to get the ball against most teams, where if they're playing a stronger team, she'll be able to get the ball in that back line as part of the back line. But if they're playing a team who probably isn't pushing it in that back line as much, she's able to push forward, get the ball through that midfield and score reasonably well regardless. So another couple of defenders that I thought we could chat through. You've got Angelique Stannett, who in the end averaged 42 for the season, but is an absolute roller coaster on the games. Goes from above 60s and then drops straight back down to 20s. I mean, the overall trajectory of her scores for season six was up. Do you think she's one that will try to get going into a peak or is she too risky? Her stats and her scores look like a cardiogram. It's going up and down <laughs> all over the place. I, I think if she could become a consistent player who scored those 60s, you'd definitely consider it. But at this stage, I'd be steering clear. There's far too much variability in that scoring to make her a starting option. Mm. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think if, if, she, if you're just going to be copying a 20 every few weeks, that's not worthwhile. That's going to be hard to take as a coach. Just from an enjoying the game perspective, to be honest. What about Emma O'Driscoll, known for her backflips every time Frio wins? She's got an average of 40, so still a bit lower, trending up. Well, I love her backflips. Very entertaining every time the Frio Dockers win. Which um, is a lot. Yeah, just quite a lot. But I, I, I think they're all really the three of them in a similar boat where I don't think the ball spends a lot of time down back. And when it does, they're, they're almost too efficient at getting it out of there. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of high scores from the Fremantle defenders. The first one that we talked about there on the pod uh, in Varia is probably the most interesting just because she's got that uh, development in her game that could see her become one of those fantasy players. But I wouldn't really expect us that to have any of these players in our team, to be honest. I don't think they've got the the real high value uh, in terms of, you know, and, and Emma Carney, for example, who's going to be putting out very high scores as a premium defender. And they're not going to have the rookie listed because they've been playing for a while and they've been doing a great job for a while. So, yeah, I think it's very unlikely that we'll all start with any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of those three you've mentioned, Mel, I think O'Driscoll is probably the one that's got the most potential. She had one very, very low score of 15 last season against North Melbourne, but generally scored pretty well around that 50 mark with a high score of 61 as Jono said, I think ball's just not down there enough and they're going to be awkwardly priced. So I think they're best to avoid. You also say that it's like, you know, a lower 15 screams potential. I just see a, an un, uninjured 15 on the field is a very hard score to cop. No, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is, yes, <laughs> you've got a 15 there, which lowers the average, but with, with scores scoring between sort of 40 to 60 every week, that's good if you want a consistent score, but it's not going to get you those high scores that are going to push you up towards the upper echelons of the competition. Yeah. So Frio's defence, not particularly exciting. However, Frio's midline, very exciting. We've got the turbo, Kiara Bowers, which my team is actually named after. Average last season of 113, absolute athlete. What should we coin this? The Bowers Dilemma or something? Bowers Dilemma I quite like. Last season, we had a price cap of about 700000 Bowers is priced at about 90 grand. So you'd have to spend about 13% of all of your money on one player. She was about eight grand more expensive than the next highest priced mid. 
but then also has a much higher average and a very consistent average. So the Bauer's dilemma here is, do you bring in a player that's going to chew through 13% of your salary, but get you a consistently high average? Or do you pick up quite a few elite mids in her place and save yourself some money, but then potentially miss out on turbo doing turbo things, as Will pointed early on, and then just sit there spewing that you didn't bring her in because she's probably going to be unaffordable going on from there. It's really going to change how you structure your team because if you go for Kiara Bowers, you're probably going to be spending a little bit less in your midfield and the midfield is where your points are. But as we've said, her ability to score those massive scores is almost unparalleled. She has averaged over 100 in every single season. She scored 152 last season as a high, but also had a couple of 120s. I think it's a massive decision that you need to make. And I think it's one that we're going to debate pretty much right up until the start of the the season. I personally have been flipping back and forth between, no, you don't need to, and yes, you have to. So we're going to have a lot of discussion about it. To me, I think it's basically one question, which is, do you think she's going to be the highest scorer in season seven? I think yes. The follow-up question for that is, how far ahead is she going to be? Because if you can get a player yeah. who priced at 10% less, that's only going to average maybe five or six less, you're probably thinking, well, maybe I can get the value elsewhere. Whereas if she's averaging 10, 15 points more than the next best midfielder, that's a lot of points that you're missing out on just to save a bit of money. If she's going to score even just five or six points more than the next person, that's almost a, a required pickup because you know that, that's going to get doubled for your captaincy She's probably one of the safer premiums that we're going to be choosing from. I know there's a lot of good value out there, even looking at the top players, but outside of of Marinoff, a lot of the other players are racking up their points in ways that I think could be affected by a wetter season, by form, by things like that. And quite frankly, if you go Bowers, it's a very low risk way of guaranteeing yourself a good score for your captain week in, week out. Yeah, you're basically banking a 200-point captain every single week, which is absolute gold. It basically comes down to you either take Bowers or you have to try and work your way into two of those other massive premiums. So you have to probably pick both of Marinoff and Hatchard or some combination thereof high-scoring players to make up that difference. So it really does change the way you're going to structure your starting team. We all started with her and, and then dropped her when she had her two-week suspension because you really can't can't afford to have that much money <laughs> sitting sitting around doing nothing. Did we bring her back? I didn't. I, I didn't. Did Liam? No, Liam didn't. Yeah, she was almost unreachable in terms of that price, which yeah. made it quite interesting. And that was something that happened across quite a lot of the competition is once you lose Kiara Bowers from your team, it's very hard to get her back because you're going to have to make up so much money to get her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was also, she was out for two weeks for suspension, but I think that was extended another two weeks for injury. Uh, yes, that's true. And there was yeah. also the way COVID affected things as well because Freo had a few games that uh, were chopped and changed around a bit last season. So, Which definitely made it just a little bit uneasy coming in. And so when she was coming back, you're like, oh, I don't know if she's going to come out and be the same Kiara Bowers. Of course, she came out and I think scored 107, 128 to finish yeah. off the season, but just a little bit of uncertainty there. Yeah, absolutely. But look, I, I think, I mean, when we're talking about Kiara Bowers, I know she's the most expensive based on the, uh, the idea that her average was head and shoulders above everyone else. But I think the only other real captain choices that we've been looking at last season were, were Maradoff, Riddell, 
Hatchard, and they all averaged above 100 as well. I, I don't think it's a huge stretch to go up just that little bit extra to get to Bowers if you think she's going to be the highest scorer because every week that's going to be a point of difference in your team that you know most of the comp is probably not going to have because they're going to have to pay up an absolute fortune to start her. I think it's definitely a viable play to not pick Bowers, but it's a big call whichever way you go. I remember, I think we were at the pub sometime during season six and the thought just came to me, like this is pre, pre-suspension. pre I was like, do we trade out Bowers? And then, you know, met with, don't F with your premiums. Like, what are you doing, Mel? You don't know what you're talking about. See, but the thing is there, Mel, is I was the one that went through with it. Yeah, and I was just like spurring you on and then being like, oh, so glad I didn't do that. And the problem, <laughs> the problem was, the reason I did it was because I thought that you could save the money and upgrade elsewhere. My logic proved to be right. I just did it a week early because I picked up Anne Hatchard the week Anne Hatchard scored a 30 and the week Kiara Bowers scored 152. So immediately... <sighs> It was bad, but in the long term, I managed to probably very luckily avoid having to trade her out later when she did get suspended. So I guess we'll have to wait till we get the prices. There is one flag that I see for Kiara Bowers, and I think it's it's probably where we're headed with this next anyway. Last season, Frio had to spend a lot of their season without her, and did their midfielders step up or what? I think Haley Miller and Gabby O'Sullivan were terrific last year. I know Kiara Bowers came back and obviously knocked it out of the park. But coming into this season, is it something where they're going to try and just lessen their reliance on her a little bit? I, I'm not sure that they will because they play very different roles. Miller played a lot more of that explosive burst midfielder out of the clearances, getting the kicks inside 50. Also kicked a lot of goals, Miller, for a midfielder. Whereas in Bowers' role is essentially get into the, into the clinches, take those tackles, and get those quick handballs or kicks out of stoppages, which is where she gets a lot of her disposals. So to me, one of the strengths of Frio's midfield is that everyone has quite a unique role, which makes them quite an even midfield. It could be interesting, though, because like you said, when she wasn't there, Frio's gameplay changed so dramatically because their whole kind of team structure was set up around Bowers and her ability to just tackle and get the ball and get rid of it. So that when you had Miller kind of stepping up into that role, they played differently. Maybe because, you know, this would be Bauer's seventh, yeah, seventh season because she started from the start. Maybe it's about time kind of Frio switch it up and maybe they're becoming a little bit too predictable and they want to rely on mixing up with that kind of Miller gameplay instead. I think it's always valuable for a team to have multiple options. I think that it's not necessarily a reliance that she's just that good that she manages to keep scoring well. And I, I personally think that, Miller is their most damaging midfielder, which really helps Bowers because it means that she can do her thing, do the defensive stuff, and it allows Miller to really get off the chain. Yeah, no, look, it's a fair call. It's a fair call. I think it is, it is very helpful to have someone who focuses on that defensive work because that's not something that any coach is going to say, you know, let's get this out of our midfield. We're, we're defending too strongly by tackling. those tackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, only, it's only a small flag. I personally think at this point of the season, we are still waiting on prices to come out and whatnot, but I'm, I'm probably probably going to start with Kiara Powers at this stage. I, I, think, I think I'm definitely going to be playing around with those structures, but it's something that I'll definitely almost guaranteed come back to is putting Kiara Powers smack bang in the middle of that midfield and saying, right, that's a captaincy pick. It's just opportunity cost to me. Like if you don't have her to start off, you can't probably get her later. But if you have her at the start, you can always trade her out. Correct. Yeah. And, I, and I do like the idea of relying on, we've got the expansion teams that we'll talk through later, 
there's going to be a lot of value there that offsets the idea that we're paying full price for, for one of the best players. Absolutely. I think this year in particular is a year where you can really afford to pay up for Bowers. Because if you're getting a midfielder who is priced at that bottom price, who can probably average, you know, 50, 60 coming off, coming in as one of the expansion teams, why wouldn't you pay up for her, really? Yeah, definitely. Anything else we want to comment on the midfield that's not Bowers related? Well, <laughs> the other one then is Hayley Miller. <laughs> While we're at it, because... You know, last year she stepped up and had a fantastic year, ended up second in the league, best and fairest. Look, I, I was surprised she didn't win, to be honest. That was that was my tip for the night. I think the only problem for her was she had much more midfield competition from the likes of Bowers and, and uh, Gabo Sullivan, whereas in Bates really stood out in that Brisbane midfield. They had a, a lot more Bates focus than they did Miller focus, I suppose. Very true, but... I think that Hayley Miller has bigger heights to go to. That was her first real breakout midfield per season as captain and really, really delivered well. Yeah, um, I, I don't think you see you know more of those iconic captain performances than you do from Hayley Miller. I'm probably going on and on a bit too much about it, but she is fantastic and I reckon she can go to greater heights. I reckon we could see 100 average from her. Yeah, I, I agree with that, actually. Sure, probably still not going to bring her into my starting team. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, starting is a bit risky. I, I appreciate that. But I think it's one that early on in the season, if she comes out of the blocks and is killing it, early trade-in target yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I guess one of, the, one of the questions there is early trade-in targets are very rarely premium midfielders. So are you going to miss out if you don't start with her, if, you, if she does hit that 100 average? Potentially. I think I think there are ones that'll hurt us more to miss out on. She's coming in with 91 average. So like she's almost there. I don't think she would be going up too much in price if she increased her average to about 100. That's as opposed right. to like a O'Sullivan who was actually listed as a forward in the game in last season. So I think she was in all of our forward lines just because she was a gun with an average of 79. But now if she gets listed as a mid... I think she'll be listed as a midfielder. If she does get listed as a forward, I think absolutely she's one of the top premium options in that forward line. But as a midfielder, still very good scoring up near that 80 mark. But there's so many players priced around that point that I think you're better off seeking value elsewhere. Yeah, yeah she'll be fully priced. So Great one to watch though, just from a footy perspective. So looking forward to seeing the, the Frio engine room, you know, knock it out of the park again in season seven. Yeah, and, and I would like to say, to pump up my own tyres, she was one that I did put on the radar very early at the start of last season, so I'm very happy with that one. <laughs> uh, one one big thing for the midfield, though, is that they have lost a pretty key player uh, in Steph Kane. So she was on the wing for them in Season 6, and I believe she has moved out of the team to go to one of the expansion clubs. Now, she was a very key part of how they transitioned the ball forward. She's taken a lot of marks on that wing and... In integral part, I suppose, of that that attacking wing position. I'm very curious, Will, for your thoughts on who's going to take over that sort of a role, or is it a is it going to be an entirely new way of moving the ball? Well, for me, there are three players who could probably fill that role. The first one we've already mentioned is Sarah Veria. So she was drafted as a midfielder, as I said, played a bit off half back. If she does play off that half back line, if she can push up into that wing, get those marks. That makes her very relevant. The other two players that can fill in on that wing are two new recruits. The first one is Nikki Gore from Adelaide. So she'll probably play that wing halfback role as well. And the other one is their second draft pick, Tara Stribley. So quick outside player, probably the the genuine winger 
that they've got of that lot. But obviously with that comes a lack of experience given she's a draftee. So I think it'll be some combination of those three who who go through that wing role. It'll be a watch and wait and see who does start on that wing round one. Yeah, I think Roxy Rue would be very interesting on that wing. It's quite interesting that they've started a couple of their main forwards up on that wing a few times in Roxy Rue and Eb Antonio. Is there a position on the ground that Ebony Antonio can't play? I think she started as a centre-half back. She's done a bit of ruck work. I think the only position she hasn't played is a genuine inside midfielder, and I reckon she could probably do that as well. It's the only place they don't, they don't need any help because they've got one of the best midfielders already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a nice lead into uh, looking at the forwards then. Obviously, Eb Antonio named on the kind of 40-person All-Australian squad last season. Solid average of 61. I really wanted to bring her in. She was one I looked at each week as potential and then something else went wrong such that I couldn't. But uh, No, yeah. I was I was very rookie-reliant in my forward line last year. I think I carried two rookies all the way up to round eight just because, you know, Tara Bohanna was performing so well, there was really no need to move her on. Yeah, she was one of those players that last year was always on the radar to bring in. But with, with the way her scoring was, she was averaging 60, which was solid enough. But she wasn't a, uh, a player that you had to get in. So we spent a lot of time going for other areas where we needed to upgrade as opposed to bringing her in. But definitely an option up forward for a fairly consistent score in that higher range for a forward. Uh, one of the three or forwards that I did bring in, Michaela Morrison. I'm not sure if anyone else came near her. She started in round five, had a huge score of 79 in round six against Carlton. I, I'm generally pretty hesitant to bring someone in in their second season. Uh, you see it a lot, you know, they kind of explode out of the blocks. Everything's exciting. you got a lot of energy. But the second season, it, it's hard to kind of take that next step and deliver on the value. Sometimes that 10 to 20 game mark is, is kind of hard to try and develop into the next player. And it, it probably takes a couple more preseasons before they get really comfortable at the level. I'd agree with that. They've got a few promising small forwards as well. Players like Tuka Reina, Michaela Hyde as well up forward. So it's not probably a role that she will consistently get a lot of scoring. I think that 79 was definitely one out of the box. While it shows that in future, she may be a player of definite interest. I think you'd expect her to probably be averaging somewhere between 30 and 40, which given she won't be bottom price is probably not worth looking at. If I can just jump back one second to Ebony Antonio, there's one thing I wouldn't mind discussing, which is that a lot of the, the great forwards we had last season are probably going to be listed as midfielders this year. So Tyler Hanks is gone. Gabby O'Sullivan, we're expecting to go back to being a, a midfield only. Does that mean that someone like Ebony Antonio could potentially be our best performing forward this season, just on the basis that she was one of the highest last season and a lot of the, the other options around her are now gone? Yeah, I think that that's definitely the case. I think the only other top forward last season who will probably remain as a forward would be Greta Bodie. So I think it definitely puts her as one of those players that you probably would look at and think, yeah, she's she's a definite chance to be in that top bracket of, of forwards. With Gemma Houghton going to Port Adelaide, there's a bit of change happening in that 3-0 forward line. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects Antonio. She'll definitely be that key player up forward. And I wonder if that will affect her scoring, probably for the negative, given she'll get more attention. So she I think- She could also be more of a forward 50 target though. That was what I was about to say. I think that's the, the other side of it is that she could be the one that gets those goals more. So 
Personally, I'm probably not looking to start with her, but I think she's one that I'd be keeping an eye on very strongly as, a, as an option. Nice. And we briefly mentioned uh, Roxy Rue there. I think Roxy is one that Liam has talked about for most of the offseason. I think he's, he's very hopeful that she moves up onto that wing. So I think this is one where we'll just need to keep an eye on that early on. Personally, I think um, if she doesn't get that role, I'd be a little bit hesitant, but she is still quite young. A lot of upside potential for a big season seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not against starting her. What's interesting for me with Roxy Rue is her ability to play in a lot of different roles because she's actually been playing a lot as a backup ruck as well. So she's getting a few of those extra points through hitouts. Super talented player, but the scoring might not be there for her, even if she does take that wing role. To me, she's the sort of player that I would be watching for a bit of a breakout year this year where she can push that average up and then maybe be an option in years to come. Well, okay, well, that sounds like a kind of a nice transition into the rucks then. I had the Freya ruck in my side straight from the beginning uh, with, well, not the main ruck, uh, Mim Strom, but the rookie ruck that came in, Anya Taig who was fantastic, averaging, I want to say 50, actually. I don't have it in front of me. She averaged 49 last season. Oh, yeah, perfect. But she's probably not super fantasy relevant going into this season. I wouldn't have thought she'd be listed as a ruck again, to be honest. We're yet to see, but she played a lot around different places on the ground, but I wouldn't have thought ruck would have been her primary position. On round five last season, she was listed at centre-half back for every single game, except the last one where she was named in the forward pocket of all places. So Very hard to pick up what's going on, but she was fantastic wherever she played. Mm. I still think she needs to be taking kickouts, whatever she does, because I don't know another player who can kick the ball 60 metres. Got a huge leg on her. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other ruck potential for Frio, Mim Strom, not one I've ever really considered because, to me, they're lower echelon elite better places to be putting my money. Yeah, I, I agree. Mimstrong is only 20. So she's a player that could become one of those premium rucks in seasons to come. However, with an average of 52 last year, probably going to be pricing herself out. Uh, did finish the year with a 90 in the prelim, but I think for this upcoming season, isn't one I'd be looking at. Maybe someone to trade in if she does have that breakout. But for now, I think I'd be looking elsewhere. Yeah, she's very consistent, which is very handy, but... I just don't think you've got the the value play there, so not worth it. So any other parting comments on Freo? Surely you've got a Hayley Miller comment there, Jono. <laughs> Look, I think the only player that we haven't discussed at any stage is not one that I would consider at all for my fantasy team, but I want to give it a Good, let's discuss them then. Yeah, but a quick <laughs> shout out for last season because I think I brought in Sarah Wilstra in the ruck just oh, towards yeah. the final round last year. It was not someone who I brought in with any intention of playing, but she came in uh, to fill that ruck spot for me and knocked out a 41 in the final round of the season. So very happy that happened. Helped that, that 15th rank. That's really just, just a big thanks. That's all I really want to say. Just wanted to plug his excellent finish last year. <laughs> now, one, one player that I, I actually we haven't mentioned going all the way back to defence is uh, Maddie Scanlon, who was taken at pick 27 in the, the recent draft. We talked a bit internally about how experienced defenders is probably the only thing that's really lacking from that Fremantle side. So picked her up as a 21-year-old, played mostly as a running halfback, but at 172 centimetres can play tall. So she's likely to probably get early game time and maybe someone to consider as a defender rookie. 
However, you're probably going to be wanting to look at rookies from the expansion team. So whether she is someone that you start with is really a question of whether you, you think she'll be a player that will be worth picking up. And I'm not sure that she will. Yeah, potentially just someone to keep an eye on for when teams are announced. I think they, they actually had a very successful looking draft. And I suppose it's mostly on the fact that it was a very state-based draft. So, you know, all the Western Australian players have ended up in the, the WA teams. Megan Kaufman is another one that I'm keeping my eye on. I think she's pretty tough inside mid. You can go forward. And also a bit of cross-code there. Used to be a tennis player. So common-ish thing in the Freo team, having that forward mid versatility. And anyone who can play that, I reckon, is a chance to get, get inside the team. So, Well, that might do us for Freo. Thanks for listening to our Fremantle episode of Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. If you're looking for our best 21 or proposed best 21 of Freo, you can find that up on our socials. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Tomorrow, we'll be releasing our team overview of Geelong, one of Will's teams. So it's also going to be very exciting. So subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast so that you can listen to that one when it comes out. You can find me on Instagram as HiMelD. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Stevens. And I'm on Instagram at WillH underscore VI. Cool. So leave us some comments if you want to chat more and uh, talk to you later. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye.